Hey, so this morning, before Will comes, we are going to dismiss our kindergarten down to Children's Church. We will, we're asking our warehouse worship kids to stay in here this Sunday. We will restart uh, warehouse worship next Sunday. But we're excited. I've asked Will to come and really just to, as a way of us knowing who he is to come and to share his story. And if you don't tell stories about grandparents, then uh, there'll be a rebuttal here All after right. a while. <laughs> Well, good morning. Um, oh, man, only in a Baptist church. I love it. Um, no, well, I wanted to talk about my story and my call to ministry. Um, mind if I just pray before we start? Um, Father, am I, uh, I'm humbled that you would allow me um, to minister to students and to their parents alike. Father, I ask that... The words I speak here today uh, and every time I speak in this church, that it would be your words um, through me. Father, I love you and thank you. Amen. All right. Um, so I was born in Houston, Texas, uh, and then raised in Carthage, Texas. And so um, as far as my salvation story goes, my mom likes to tell me I was a heathen. And then when I was eight years old and I accepted Christ, I was not a heathen anymore. I calmed down a little bit. But um, I do remember that day. Uh, it was sometime early spring. Um, and then we were at church on a Sunday night, and Brother Don Collins was speaking. And he was speaking, and he was telling us the gospel, just very plainly giving us the truth of who Jesus is, how he, he came and he died and he rose again. And because of that... We need to believe and turn to him and give our lives to Christ. And uh, I remember, and this is how I remember it. Mama might be different. But I remember tugging on, uh, telling my mom, Mom, I want to accept Jesus. Because they do the invitation at the end. And she's like, well, being a good mom is discipling me. And I was like, wait, we'll talk about it when we get home. Because she wanted to make sure I was, in, you know, I believed the right thing. And that I was, you know, she, I understood the decision I wanted to make. And so I, you know, waited uh, in the pew, but that night we had a, a dinner afterward, and so afterward we go over to the to the, uh, the activity center, and when we were in the activity center, I found Brother Don Collins, and at the time he was in a scooter, uh, he was old and he was a great man, uh, been serving our church for a long time, and so I walk up to his scooter and I said, Brother Don, I want to accept Jesus, and so right there in the activity center at First Baptist Church in Carthage, uh, I, he helped lead me to the Lord. Um, and man, what an awesome moment. I then, you know, got to, uh, I got baptized on Mother's Day, so I know that was special. And actually, after I got baptized, I sang with my grandfather, if I remember correctly, and uh, who's here today, which is just a blessing. And then, uh, you know, my life was on track to uh, be a follower of God uh, from just such an early age, having such a wonderful family. Um, what he's taught, what Brother Daryl's talking about is that my, both of my grandfathers had been worship pastors and, or youth pastors or even speakers at one point in their lives. And uh, my dad told me that he didn't spend a lot of time actually at First Baptist Church growing up because his dad was always leading worship at churches, small churches around town, in the, around in the county. And so I come from people who have given their lives to serve the Lord. My mom's father was a worship uh, minister. He was also a youth minister for, uh, as well, but for what, 50 years? 
40 years, um, and he, uh, the example that was set before me was that our life is for the purpose of telling others about Jesus Christ. And so I had no choice, you know? I had a choice, obviously, but I uh, got, uh, I get it honestly. Uh, the Lord has been good to our family. He's been good to me, and so how could I not um, give my life for him? And then, uh, so I remember I, I accepted Christ on that Sunday night, and the next day, I go to school, I was in first grade, second grade at the time, second grade, first grade, uh, I was eight, so whatever that puts me at, uh, and I remember going to my teacher that first day, and I, you know, I get into class, and I'm so excited, because I've accepted Christ, I found this new life, and I am a little kid, and I'm stoked about it, so I, I go tell my, I tell about my teacher's shirt, and I said, I'm not going to say her name, she's a wonderful lady, I'm sure, but I, uh, I tell her my shirt, and I said, let's just call her Miss Smith, Miss Smith, Miss Smith. <laughs> Um, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And she, I remember very clearly, that's great, honey, go sit down. <laughs> so from a very, very early age, uh, very, very soon after I found Christ, I, the enemy was like, yeah, that's great, whatever. You know, just kind of making me feel like that wasn't the most important thing. So very early, I started having kind of this struggle with identity and who I was. So what, is that, what does it mean to be a Christian? I've accepted Christ, so, so how am I supposed to do that now and someone was like oh that's great fine go just go sit down you know we're starting class you know um and so growing up through middle school high school um if the doors were open i was at the church i've you know uh my parents were very good at keeping us in there doing whatever was going on i was probably one of those kids i was definitely one of those kids hanging up here and singing a song and doing motions and all the way up until i got to be 14 and i started learning how to play guitar and learn how to sing, or I guess I get that kind of just honestly. But I played guitar and sang in the youth worship band, and then one Sunday they decided they were going to let me uh, lead big worship. And we have a choir at First Baptist. We have like the big choir and the organ and all that stuff, and they let me do the, the conducting. I was like, what am I doing up here? <laughs> I'm 18 years old, and you've got me doing But um, so I was very active in my church um, and so, but the thing I was struggling with was having these two different identities. I would, when, especially when I got to be a junior and senior in high school, and you're like, man, I want to be, especially senior year, it's like, oh, I've got to live it up. It's senior year. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be the starting first baseman. I'm going to uh, date a cute girl. I'm going to, you know, all the stuff that you're like, this is going to make this like the peak of my existence. I'm going to, it's going to be great. Um, and... I started trying to chase those things, and yes, I was still very active in the church. I was still leading worship in the worship band, and I was still, um, you know, going to all the mission trips and doing all the extra things with my church, but I started struggling with this, you know, like, world versus God, like trying to please God and also trying to please man, and that never works out, um, never works out the way you want it to, um, and so... By the end of my senior year, I was very, in a very dark and hurting place, and I remember leaving for college, and my mother remembers it very clearly. She's probably about to cry thinking about it, but I had already moved all of my stuff down to where I was living in College Station at, when I was going to Texas A&M, and I, yes, whoop, Texas A&M, but this is not a whoop moment, but <laughs> it's just the... Uh, 
when I was leaving the house, I, there was a shouting match, and I was mad because I wasn't in a great place, and I just left the house in a very unhealthy spot. Um, luckily, the Lord got a hold of me really fast. I went to this camp. Um, it take, uh, it's like an entrance camp where you go uh, and people try to help get you connected to the body of Christ at Texas A&M. And so I uh, go to this camp, and it was there that God introduced me to wonderful men and women of God who really knew what it looked like to follow the Lord through college. Not only that, but how to place my identity, the very thing I was struggling with, like, am I going to be this person or this person, or having these two different faces I'd put on. It was, now I, these people are like, no, like, your identity in Jesus is the most important thing in your life, and that rest of it, leave it behind. Um, it was through those men and women, and then the church that I got involved in in College Station, that I found, you know, that, I guess, not new faith, but I found the who I was supposed to be. I discovered my true identity in Christ, and that purpose of my life was to glorify Him, no matter what that was. And so I started being involved there uh, at, and this is where the ministry, the calling to ministry comes in. Uh, I started being involved at my church um, in College Station, and I became, you know, a youth leader for some middle school boys, sixth grade. I started off with them in sixth grade and got to follow them up. It was really fun. And then I also got involved in the worship there. Um, just trying to be plugged in as much as possible. And I also did that impact camp is what it's called. I did impact camp. And so I was around these people constantly that loved Jesus. And I was loving getting to minister to people and then lead students. And it was, it was awesome. And I started dating my wife in my sophomore, fresh, her sophomore year, my junior year of college. And I dragged her along. I said, hey, you need to get involved in this ministry too. And so she was also involved in the, the youth ministry. And we had been dating for a little while when I said, uh, hey, we need to talk. And, you know, that doesn't ever sound good <laughs> when you tell, you tell the person you're dating, hey, we need to talk. But so we met up and I looked and I said, you know, dating, I want to date you with the purpose of marriage because I'm wasting my time if I'm doing anything else, right? Um, because that should be the purpose of dating. Uh, but the, uh, I told her, so what I'm about to tell you, if, if you're not down with that, that's fine. Um, it's been great and no hard feelings. <laughs> you know? So I looked at her and said, I said, Lauren, I'm called to ministry. I had been reading uh, my Bible that day and I just kind of broken down in tears. and was like, oh my gosh, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I had to tell her, I was like, I'm dating you, and you need to know if we're going to get married, it's going to be doing ministry. And she looked at me, and she goes, wait, you didn't already know this? <laughs> she, she knew. She could see it. She could see it in the way that I loved my students, and I loved my worship ministry, and I loved doing the impact camp. She's like, it's obvious. It, it oozes off of you, the, just wanting to serve the Lord in whatever capacity that is. And so, man... I did it at that moment. If I hadn't known before, I was like, yeah, that's my wife right there. I'm marrying her. Uh, but, and so she's been doing this together since then. But, um, yeah, and so I continued in those ministries. I, you know, started doing worship in the big church at Central Baptist and College Station. I guess they're just Central now. But in College Station, I kept doing that. And then that identity thing crept back in. Uh, I was graduating from Texas A&M University, whoop, with a degree in horticulture. 
And you're like, horticulture? <laughs> What's that? Uh, plants. I'm going to have the most immaculate yard in this town in five years. Uh, sorry to all of you who think your yard looks great and mine will look better. Uh, because I, for four years, I paid however much money to get that degree. <laughs> and my yard's going to look dang good, okay? Uh, but I had gotten this degree in horticulture and no, like, this is not like, you know, I was, I was being encouraged and to, you know, you need to, get a you need to get a job in that degree because, you know, you, you pay for it and you need to use those skills. And so I looked for an internship that would lead into a job and I found it and I was working for a tree care company in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. It was in South Lake, but we worked in Fort Worth. And I spent a year, almost a year, about nine months, uh, working in the tree industry as an arborist. And it included everything from spraying trees and cutting them down. And I, you know, coming home at night with your hands still shaking because you've been running a chainsaw for eight hours. You're like, I'm tired of this. Uh, and it was just, I was not looking for a way out. I wasn't in a very healthy place spiritually. I hadn't been reading my Bible the way I should have been. I hadn't been following the Lord the way I should have. And I was 19, or 19, my goodness. I was 23, and I was married, and my wife and I were in a place where we didn't have a ton of family and friends, and the Lord called us to New Braunfels, Texas, um, where my wife got a job as the women's director for their camp. And it was in that season that the Lord said, come back. He said, come back to me. You know what I've called you to do. You need to do this. And so we did camp, and, and COVID happened, and we did camp still, and it was crazy. Um, only by the grace of God that happened. And it was through doing camp that I got to lead worship. I got to speak to the students on a weekly basis and lead worship. And the Lord made it very evident to me that this is what you have to do. This is the only thing I have made you to do. And so sure enough, uh, we get back from camp, and I had kind of been working on my teaching certification, but... Uh, I knew that that's what wasn't what I was supposed to do either, and I started looking for jobs in October, and I had a couple that seemed really good, and we went and just didn't have a feeling. Um, actually, funny story, before I came and visited here on Sunday, on whatever day that was, I can't remember, but I had just had an offer from another church in the Houston area, and great people, good church, but it just didn't, it wasn't like, this is where I need to be, yeah, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel perfect. Um, and I can't, so they made that offer on a Friday, and I was supposed to give them an answer on Monday or Tuesday. I've moved it back to Tuesday because I was just kind of, because I came here to FBC Huntington, and I sat over there, and I sat down in the uh, FLC, and I was, my wife and I listened to y'all tell your stories, and we got to walk around with you and hear your heart, and then Daryl got us in his truck and drove us around town, and... My wife and I get back to the church, and we get in our truck, and I said, I can't accept the job in Houston, because that's what a calling feels like, because that's what it feels like for the Lord to say, this is where I want you. And so, without knowing I definitely had a job here, I turned down the Sealy job, and I started... You know, we'd started doing some more Zoom interviews, and after every interview, I was like, this is the spot. This is where we have to be. This is where God wants us. And eventually, Daryl said the same thing. It was like, I, it was like saying, I love you first, and just kind of like <laughs> waiting for to hear back. <laughs> 
It's like, is, is, is he going to say it? Gonna say, you know? And uh, then Daryl, yeah, Daryl asked me, he said, do you want to get married? And I was like, yes, sir, I do. And uh, uh, he was like, you haven't even seen the ring yet. And I was like, I don't care about the ring. I know where the Lord wants us. And it's here. Um, and so, that's me. That's my testimony. That's I'm called the ministry. You can be seated now. Okay. Thank you. All right. I didn't know if you wanted to grill me or anything. Did I speak well enough for my grandparents? You did. You did an awesome job. Awesome. Thank you. Good. Um, let me share just a minute from the church side of this. And um, it is uh, with the recommendation of our staff search committee uh, that we are extending a call and we'll vote here in just a minute uh, to call Will to be our next generation pastor. There's a few things I want to say before we do that. Um, one thing I want to do is I want to express appreciation to the staff search committee uh, that has been working for over a year. Uh, that committee, oh, I can use it in past tense now, which some of them are really excited. That committee was uh, Tommy Jan Lowry, Bruce Reynolds, Glenn Frank, uh, Shane Tatum, and Gary Litton. Um, Y'all, and they, for the last year, have done an amazing job. Um, if you've been here for a little while, you know that in the fall of 2019, we began to look at a fresh vision uh, for the future for our church. And that committee was elected to look at the overall staff structure of our church. And so they started, I guess, January maybe of 2020 and had other assignments and looking at kind of a uh, organizational chart and strategizing about that. Uh, and then, quite honestly, COVID hit. And we paused for about six months with that committee. And then late summer, early fall, we reconvened. And uh, they spent months searching. We went through many resumes. We Zoomed far more than we ever want to again in interviews. Uh, and quite honestly, we were on our third round of accepting resumes. Now, my, my personal story is this. In early March, we have, we have run through our third group of resumes. If you know me, I am, I am a driven type A, let's get it done kind of guy, but I'm I'm meeting with the committee during all this time, and I'm fully, we're in, we're just, we haven't found who we believe God has for us. And I'm, uh, if I'm just being real honest, and I shared this a couple Sundays ago, I'm belly aching at the house. It's just like, what? This is, I don't know what we're going to do. My, you know, there's a place for a pastor's wife in the midst of that to play the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's a good thing. And my sweet little wife said, well, maybe. 
maybe we need to call the church together to pray. Oh, boy, that just like, oh, the knife in my heart. It's like, why didn't I say that? <laughs> and so that next Sunday I stood and I said, I believe it was spring break week and we weren't having other Wednesday night activities. And I said, y'all, I just want us to call together. We're kind of maybe explained a little bit where we were. And we just, when you, when you come to the end of yourself, Finally, one day you look up and you go, okay, well, God, okay, I can't, I can't manufacture this. I can't do it. And, we, um, and there was only a few of us that gathered that Wednesday night and we prayed. Uh, but God's timing and Bruce Reynolds, I remember visiting with Bruce. He came early. Uh, that morning, Will Stacy emailed us his resume. And... Uh, I think it was just confirmation of God's timing. And actually, the process has gone very, very quickly. But we had looked for a long time, and we knew when we found the right person that we would know. And so, we, you know, we had Zoom interviews, and they came on a Sunday afternoon because they were in Carthage for a baby shower. And I think we Zoomed every night that week, either with the committee or Byron and I. And we, uh, we've called references and... Um, Byron and I have grilled him. Uh, we didn't know we didn't grill him. We, I had a list. I emailed you. <laughs> That's the longest email I've ever typed out in my life of just, hey, here's the things we need to talk about. Um, but here's where we came to. The consensus and the conviction of the committee is that we believe Will Stacy has the calling of the Lord the commitment to the Lord, and the giftedness for ministry to make him the right person to be our next generation pastor. And so the recommendation of the staff search committee is that we elect him to be our next generation pastor. I am, when, um, well, let me say this. I'm, I'm gathering thoughts that aren't in my notes. Let me say this before we vote, and then the deacons are going to come and help pass out ballots, um, and we also have pens. Um, we set a organizational strategy for our, our church, and part of that was with this position that we are calling Next Generation Pastor. If you haven't been around or if you've only been here at certain times, you may not understand that. Please understand, when you hear Next Generation Pastor, Will Stacy is responsible for the next generation, which is high school seniors and down. Okay? So when we say next generation, it is that it is students all the way down to nursery. We say that 75% of his job description is to be the student pastor at Huntington First Baptist Church. There's another 25% that will he will work into over the next year to oversee uh, the other uh, directors and ministers over uh, nursery children and Agency 56. He will give oversight to that. But that will be something he will work into. So, um, obviously, Byron will be uh, moving out of youth ministry and will take on a role as associate pastor and we will talk about that in the weeks to come
but I wanted to clarify what Will is being called to do. He is primarily the student pastor, um, 7th grade through 12th, with other administrative responsibilities for those younger than that. So with that being said, in the recommendation of the uh, staff search committee, I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward. And if you will, uh, men, there are ballots and there are pens. Um, if you're a member of the church, you are uh, constitutionally sanctioned to vote. Uh, so um, obviously, if you're not a member, we ask that you not vote. But uh, So we're going to pass these out. It's just a yes or no. And um, we've announced this two weeks ago, so obviously we need to work the balcony. Um, and when you are finished voting, you can fold your ballot in half, and then we will pass those towards the center. If you get pins, uh, you can just leave your pin in the pew. There's a few things I want to say. Um, while the deacons tabulate the votes. Hey, and Glenn Frank, I'm going to let you head up that counting, whatever group counts, and I will look to you for the final count uh, for that. So uh, if you are a member, you can raise your hand, you can take a ballot, you can check yes or no. Um, if you need a pen, uh, hopefully... You can flag down someone if you don't have one already. Uh, we've asked you for two weeks to prayerfully consider this. And so, if you will uh, vote, and then in just a moment we will, you can fold those in half if you'd like to. Uh, and you can pass them towards the middle. Anyone not ha get a ballot that needs one, needs a pen? So if y'all can, deacons, if y'all will collect those, now and um, and we appreciate your consideration of this Has everyone had opportunity to vote? And have you passed those towards the center? And have they, they've been collected? Is there anybody? All right. So if, if y'all will go and tabulate those. And um, there's a few things I'd like to say this morning now. There may even be a scripture involved. Uh, thank you, men, for that. Um, I wanted to say something about where we are as a church, and it really pertains to Will being called. Um, and where we've been for the last year, 
um, part of the component of our church was over a year ago began to look at a fresh vision for the future of where God would lead us. As a part of that, there was a directional statement that, uh, Cricket, you can remember some of those sessions of just crunching through those ideas. But over a year ago, we uh, adopted a directional statement that says we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. We exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. Um, All of us and everyone we know uh, we start disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. Um, it's just the default. It's the way it's going to be when we come of age that um, we're disconnected to a relationship, a saving knowledge, but also a daily relationship with Jesus. We're disconnected to the church body. Uh, and then we're, we're not on mission. We're not on purpose for what He's called us to do. Um, our job, our responsibility as a church then is to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. You know, three components there to Christ, His church, and His cause. Um, the purpose in my life is that I would be connected to Christ first not only in a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but also a daily walk, a relationship with Christ. It's also, though, God's plan and His purpose, ideally, that I be involved in the body of Christ, that I be connected to the church, and then that I be on mission and purpose in that. And really, this statement becomes circular. Hey, Jeremy, can we put that, do we have that statement, that directional statement on the screen? Um, That it, it becomes circular in that my cause is then once I'm connected to Christ and his church when I become connected to his cause then I am connecting other people who are disconnected to Christ his church and ultimately to get them involved in the cause of Christ and we established that as a church over a year ago and then the unexpected occurred with COVID-19 um, I thought about this. That's life. There's some little statement that says life is what happens when you have plans. Right? I don't know of anything in my life, this sounds kind of pessimistic, that went according to plan. You know, it's like you kind of had these visions. And so, you know, a year ago we said, oh, this is, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And then the unexpected comes. And quite honestly, as a type A driven individual, that is very frustrating for Daryl Smith leading this church. Because it's like, wait a second, we had a direction. And now we're just, I feel like we're on pause. Here's the place I've come to today. If we had not had that sense of direction entering into COVID-19, we would not have been able to maintain 
Thank you. We would not have been able to maintain a sense of a momentum in the midst of COVID. If we, and I look at it and go, wait a second, we were not able to do what we wanted to do in launching forward with that. But what I've come to the place to realize is that if we had not set that direction, we would not be where we are today. And God has been able to do a work in our midst, even in the last year, in the midst of the unexpected. Think about it this way. Uh, To have a sense of direction is great on a clear day, but a sense of direction is far more important in the midst of the storm. And by the mercy and the grace of God, we had a direction when the storm hit and we knew where we were heading. Maybe not in the circumstances we wanted, but we were heading um, in a direction that uh, brings us to a place today where we have been able to maintain a sense of momentum even in the midst of of the circumstances that we've passed through. And so I'm thankful for that, and I'm excited for um, where we are today and even for the committee to come to this place and for us to have a very affirmative vote today to be able to, uh, I know Will's thinking, what do the numbers say? Uh, To come to the place today where we can call Will Stacy to be our our next generation pastor. Um, And... I just, I, I just, I want you to understand that our direction statement applies whether it's good weather or whether we pass through the storm. We are here to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. And, and it'll look different. I wanted to say this. <laughs> I've heard people say this. I can't wait till things get back to normal. Let me tell you, we're, we're not ever getting back. In some respects, that sounds very negative and pessimistic. No. Life has been changed. And uh, that's life. Life is what happens when you have plans and I have plans. And this is where we are. But that's why we have a direction statement that says we know what we are about. And now let's figure out how God wants to use that. Um, I had more. I didn't know how much time I was going to have. Yeah. Amy asked if I was prepared for today. I said, oh, I'm over-prepared. <laughs> You'll hear that some other time, some other things I wanted to share. Um, the thing I want to say is the first thing I said over a year ago, it was the first Sunday of 2020, and I said, I believe that the greatest days are ahead for Huntington First Baptist Church, and I still believe that. And it, uh, it doesn't matter what's thrown at us. Uh, because God has given us a direction. So, um, obviously today we're going to pray for Will and Lauren because um, on 212 votes, uh, 112 votes, that would be 110 yeses and two noes, which was much better than the vote I got when I came 22 years ago. Uh that was like 51% as I remember. It was close. and I had my kids vote that day. We weren't <laughs> just 
Hannah Joy, that's a whole other story, isn't it? Uh, hey, so uh, we're, I am super excited to announce that we have officially called Will Stacy to be our next generation pastor. I, I want Will and Lauren to come up on stage. I know Lauren. Uh, y'all can remain standing if it makes you feel like we're... Y'all aren't going to come up on stage. We're, I'm going to come down there. Y'all just remain standing. Y'all, uh, that's for your souvenirs. Yeah, whatever. The, I think I saved all, all three of mine in all three churches. I don't know where they are, but anyhow. Um, I want to pray. Uh, and then... Will and Lauren, if y'all will just stay here, up here, and if you'd like to come and visit with them, then you come, and we'll, we'll hang around for a while. We are having lunch at the pastor's house, so uh, we will not tarry long, uh, because there is a roast in the oven. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ho, ho. My wife just, if your last name is Stacy Sullivan, or, yeah, anyhow, Denota, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Y'all know, if... If you're wondering whether you're invited, you're not. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That's your rule of thumb. I do want to pray, um, and we'll talk about some details, and Will will be coming as soon as he can. We're waiting on baby Charlotte, and obviously that will uh, affect the, um, the timing of all of this. Uh, but I do want to pray, uh, and we want them to stand and for you to come. I really need to make a few announcements at the end. I know you all hate this. You hate this. We're going to pray. Do not bolt on me. I have a few things I want to share, so y'all let me pray. Father, today we, uh, we thank you for the Stacys, and we thank you for uh, just where you've brought us to today. And Father, not only a testimony of your faithfulness, uh, but Father, also a testimony to what you're going to do in the future. And so we pray that you would strengthen them, you would empower them to what you've called them to do, and all of us would acknowledge we are not able, and they are not able, but Father, you are. And so we pray that you would empower them, and we do pray especially for Lauren and for baby Charlotte. And uh, we pray for health and for a safe delivery in the days to come, and uh, for all the details, Father. And we just pray that you would uh, draw them into our, our family and that you would use them in a great way. Uh, in the years to come. And we trust all that to you in Jesus.